All right. It's a good thing it's not hot or anything, huh? Yeah. So last week I preached on uh, identity. And I, when I actually, when I started the sermon, I did one of the toughest things as a pastor uh, for, that I've had to do um, to start off the sermon after, uh, after we, I was done praying. I asked everybody just to keep their eyes shut. And with eyes shut, I proceeded to, to quote, lie and accusation that the enemy brings against us. Um, things that tear us down but things that we are all too often quick to believe, quick to be duped into, quick to buy into, quick to let penetrate our hearts. Uh, and then I had us open our eyes. And I think right away, you know, um, maybe by the third or fourth or fifth lie that I was spouting, things meant to tear you down, that you're no good, you have no worth, you have no value, those type of things. Uh, what do you think? By about maybe the fourth time, by about the fourth thing I spouted, you, you would kind of get it. Um, I actually got a, a call from my brother. James was like, man, you were ticking me off. You better turn this around quick. <laughs> I kept the message because it made me laugh. Um, but uh, it meant to drive home a point that in those dark places, in those places where we're alone, the enemy lies to us. And he attacks us and he comes against us, uh, meaning to tear down our identity, to tear down our worth. So today we're going to stay on the topic of identity. And we're going to talk about the transition from the old nature to the new nature. From our old identity to the new identity. And I want you to think about it this way. Um, when we were younger, you know, I loved monkey bars. My son loved monkey bars a little too much. He broke his wrists falling off monkey bars. But, you know, um, when you're on the monkey bars, see if I can do this and still stretch. It's about, it's about the best I got. You have to, when you're swinging, to get to the next one, what do you have to do? You have to let go. There has to be an instantaneous letting go and grabbing a hold of. If you don't, what happens? You're stuck. You lose all momentum. You're stuck. You, know, you have no swing. You have no momentum. Most often, the end result is the fall. You've got to let go of the rung behind and grab hold of the rung ahead in order to complete the course. Let's pray and let's purpose in our hearts to let go of the old tonight. Amen. Lord, uh, we thank you for such an awesome encounter with you in worship, Lord. We love your presence. We love that we don't just come to church. We come into your presence. So, Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness just to, to touch us, to fill us, to inspire us. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask you to do that amazing, awesome, powerful thing that you do, or that you take the words that are being preached to a group, but you personalize them to each life. You personalize them to each heart. Lord, we even say, have your way in making us feel like we are being singled out or identified or, or that this message is just for us. Because, Lord, it is. It's for each one of us. So Holy Spirit, have your way. And I do pray that it would be your words, your truth, that it would be Jesus that's remembered this night and nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen.
order to walk in the truth of who we are in Jesus, we must believe. In order to walk in the truth of who we are in Jesus Christ, we must believe that he has new and that he has new for us. And that when we place our trust in Jesus, all things become new. In order to grab a hold of that and to grab a hold of new identity, we must believe that he is capable of doing away with the old, absolutely destroying it, and that he has new life for us. If we don't believe that, I don't think we ever grab a hold of the new identity. We have to believe that he is just that powerful. That he is just that loving. We have to believe that. We must believe in the new. New life. New character. New future. Heritage. Promise. All things new. 2 Corinthians 5, 15-17 says this. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised so stopped point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Gone. New life has begun. Do I need battery? Is this going to happen tonight? If so, I'll I'm going to read this out of the King James because this is probably one this is probably the one that we had it memorized in before so 2 Corinthians 5 17 New King James therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation old things have passed away behold all things all things become new. You guys, too often we, we're selective in what we choose to receive as the encouragement of Scripture. It doesn't say some things. It doesn't say most things. It says all things have become new. If old things have passed away, then let old things pass away. You can't grab a hold of a new identity if you haven't let go of the old nature. Part of letting go includes letting go of immaturity. Part of letting go of your past includes letting go of immaturity. I promise you, I used to look good in this. I did. I wore it well. What the heck, man? Did my arms grow? Leather did, or leather didn't shrink. Whatever this is, I don't know what it is. I used to look good in this, but now, come on. I just look silly. And you guys, you guys in the back don't even see the the. I got the the pants pegged, baby. 
Come on. I got the pants rolled. I got the high, like, almost like aerobic type socks. I got these shoes are from the 80s. Come on. Like a man in the past, trapped in the past, holding on to things he was never meant to hold on to. This is how we look when we refuse to let go of the things of the past. Foolish. Uncomfortable. Desperate. Desperate. Dude, what are you holding on to? You look like a fool. I need some help. Somebody help me get this thing off. This thing shrunk, man. Golly gee. Help a brother out. Thank you. Oh, man, we're tugging. All right. There we go. Man, I'm sweating. For those of you listening to the podcast somewhere, I was wearing my Letterman jacket from 1987. Class of 88, baby. Woo! I just took it off. Hey, baby, can you undo my, my pegged pants? Thank you. I, I want to feel normal again. <laughs> Thank you, baby. The links I will go to to prove a point, huh? Woo! You see, when we grow up, we grow up. When we grow up, we grow up. We let go of the past. And we put on new clothes that better reflect our new identity. That better reflect our place in life. This is more me. Thought about wearing a sports coat or something, but that's not me. This is me. When we grow up, we have to be comfortable letting go of the old and walking in the new. We have to be comfortable saying, that looked good at one point, and it was comfortable at one point. But right now, I can't put that on because nothing would be more uncomfortable. Ephesians 4, 11. We're going to go verses 11 through 24 in this message just kind of breaking it up. So verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be what? Mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. I want to make sure we understand what that full and complete standard means just so that we don't um, have false expectation of that. The translation of that is the measure of the maturity of Christ. In another translation, it says the measure of the stature of Christ. But what is translated as the measure of of the maturity of Christ. So to read that again, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full measure of the maturity of Christ Himself. To the maturity of Christ Himself. What was the maturity of Christ? The maturity of Christ was one that He considered His life not His own. 
He did nothing except what the Father told him. He came with a purpose that was to lay down his life. He came to win the lost, to save the lost, because that's what his Father asked him to do. Willingly laid down his life. No one took it from him. He willingly laid down his life only to take it up again in victorious defeat of death so that we could walk in victory. A mindless uh, person gives thought only to themselves. Christ showed that his concern was for the Father. And he demonstrated it for you and I. This will continue until we reach maturity. I'm going to remind you real quick before we continue that in this passage, the pastor is referred to as a gift to you, the church, and that that gift has a responsibility. The responsibility is to equip you. The responsibility of this gift of the pastor is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. To equip you and to equip you and to equip you until you reach maturity, until the church reaches unity. Responsibility. This is what this says to me. Keeping in mind that I said I'm a gift to you. This tells me that I'm here to help you grow up. I'm here to help you grow up and I don't care how old you are. I'm here to help equip you to grow in maturity, to grow up. The gift that keeps on giving, huh? But why? Why? Because children are an easy mark for the enemy. Because children are an easy target for imposters, for deceivers, for manipulators. So I'm here to help mature you so that you are not easily deceived, easily manipulated, so that you are not easily conned or molested or devoured. We will discuss five things that we must do to walk in new identity. Five things that we must do to walk in new identity. Let's keep reading in verse 14. Then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. You guys, there is so much junk out there that sounds like truth. There is so much junk out there that just it just has a hint of truth. Therefore, it must be truth. And if we don't have maturity, then those clever sounding lines will, those lies will influence us. If we don't have maturity, those clever sounding lies, manipulations will deceive us. We've got to have maturity. Point number one, what we must do to walk in new identity. To walk in God's new identity for us, we must grow in maturity. For us to walk in new identity, we must grow in maturity. Paul talks about when I was a child, I did childish things. 
But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. When I was a child, I walked like a child. I talked like a child. I think like a child. I acted like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. We've got to have maturity. There's got to come a point when we take off the old clothes and we willingly put on the new. And we don't look back. Verse 14 through 16. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. He's the head and he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Number two, to walk in God's new identity for us. Our growth must be in Christ and Christ alone. I'm not even making reference to your maturity as as a scholar, your maturity. That's not what I'm talking about because that doesn't affect our new identity. See, I grow in maturity of knowledge. I grow in maturity of information. I grow in, you know, a seniority in the office. And so, you know, I, I get promoted. That's still not your identity. That's not your identity. For you to grab a hold of your new identity, for me to grab a hold of the new identity in Christ, I must grow in Christ and Christ alone. Because that is where I find my identity, not in anything else. You see, anything else, I'm probably going to fall short or I'm going to make it about me. Forget probably. I'm going to fall short or I'm going to make it about me. Either I hit my corporate goals and therefore look at me, I'm the man, whoop, whoop. Or, dang it, my dad was right, I'm a failure. Or whatever lies the enemy has thrown our way, right? Christ and Christ alone. We take our lead from Christ, who is the head or the source of everything we do. If it is Jesus who keeps us in step with each other. It is Jesus that causes us to fit together perfectly. That's an interesting phrase, and I just want to offer this encouragement. And I'm offering it from someone who's been there. If you constantly find yourself feeling like you don't fit in, you're constantly feeling that way, I want to encourage you with this. Take an honest step back. Take an honest step back and look and see if you're following Christ. If you're constantly feeling like you don't fit in, take a step back and say, am I following him? He is the head. He is the source. He causes the body to fit together perfectly. If I'm not fitting in, maybe, just maybe, I'm not following Jesus the way I should. Guys, I've been there. I felt like I didn't fit in. But the times I felt like I didn't fit in, I made it about me. And I wasn't following Christ. And I wasn't believing the truth about who he said I was. And so I allowed the enemy to lie and to deceive and say, you don't fit in. If we're not fitting in, take a step back. Take a look around and go, oh my gosh, I'm truly not following. Maybe that's not the case. But, but in my experience, it is. The enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus has come so that we might have life and life to the fullest. And we're supposed to fit in.
We're supposed to fit in. In this strange, eclectic goulash of church, we're supposed to fit in because there is no, there is no shape you're supposed to be. Clearly. <laughs> I'm getting there. We need the diversity, okay? We need the diversity of personality. We need the diversity of temperaments. We need the diversity of passions and interests. We need the diversity of backgrounds, of struggles and victories. We need the diversity. So we fit in. And if you're not feeling like you fit in, rebuke the enemy and he must flee. Can we all say amen? Amen. Man, the, the devil's such a chump. But sometimes we're the ones that are chumps because we buy into it. Let's not buy into it. Verse 15. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. It helps the other parts grow. Each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. There's a lot of talk about growth, a lot of talk about maturity in this passage, guys. Let's not let it get past us because there's also a lot of talk about health and fullness, about healthy you, about full and complete you. To walk in God's new identity for us, our growth must be in Christ and Christ alone. Verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Point number three, to walk in God's new identity for us. There is no going back. To walk in the new identity, there is no going back. When this talks about don't live as the Gentiles do. They're hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander from the life God gives. They've closed their minds. Guys, a, a people that are unwilling to change are a people that are closed-minded. A people that are unwilling to grow, unwilling to improve, unwilling to change are people that are closed-minded, that are darkened. Let's, let's go back to me walking around with my Letterman jacket. And a, a brother, a sister is like, Mark, you know I love you, right? I love you. You're my friends, you're awesome. But brother, you just look foolish, man. Let it go. Let it go. I, I know it was cool then. It ain't cool now. It's just not. I know. But yet, I know I look good. I ain't changing. I ain't changing for anybody. Tell me I don't look good. I got mirrors. I know I look good. 
if someone comes up to me and is like, brother, right here, right here, man. I appreciate the fact that they're letting me know that I've got something I need to change. If someone comes up and is like, Mark, the deodorant's not working today. How foolish would I be to go, I don't stink. Your nose is wrong. All of your noses are wrong. Church, let's hear the importance of this. Because when Paul is saying, with the Lord's authority, I say this. What he's saying is this. Listen! The Lord backs me up on this. Okay? I'm speaking with God's authority. He's backing me up on this. There should be no going along with the crowd just to go along with the crowd. The numb, thoughtless, lost crowd. We're going to let we're going to let them be the one that sets the tone. We're going to let them be the one that's, that leads and we follow. That's, that's what we're going to follow. The lost leading the lost. God's saying, listen. Guys, when we go back to the old, we just end up looking immature. Now, I want to bring something up. I'm not going to soapbox for long. I'm just going to soapbox for a little bit. I want to encourage you guys with this. Facebook is is not the platform for you to live a double life. That's not your platform to be one way on Facebook and another way in church. Do you know that I've over, over the years? I'm a, so if, if you're a guest with us, I grew up in Southern California. I'm a Raiders fan. I also root for the Broncos, and you can do both. I checked. I checked with God. He told me I could. And we both can agree that we don't like the Chiefs. So, so I'm a Raiders fan. I've gotten three. Facebook pictures on over the years. Three Facebook po- uh, posts that say F the Raiders. And you know what? When I say F, it's spelled out. And all three times it was from Christians. Are you kidding me? D friend. That's stupid. This ain't your, this ain't your opportunity. You think that's godly? Oh, by the way, it's no one in this church. I just want to let you guys know. It's no one in this church. No one's been defriended for saying that. But I, I will say this. I see cool anecdotes and cool pictures and stuff and stuff and, and there's a lot of inappropriate stuff out there, guys. If a picture has a, a funny picture and it says WTF on it, don't post it on your site. Don't post it on your site. Because we all know what that means. And and the word tells us no going back. No going back to the old ways, because how do we look? Foolish and stupid and immature. If we're frustrated, Facebook isn't the opportunity to say, people suck. Oh, why? What's the matter? Nothing, because you're a person and you suck. You guys, that's not our opportunity to live a double life. That's not our opportunity to say foul and profane things or to post foul and profane videos or pictures. That's not the place. No going back. 
You know what? I find Blazing Saddles hilarious. I love Blazing Saddles. I love it. But I'm not going to post. I'm going to watch it in my home and laugh at the inappropriate parts. You know what I mean? But I'm not going to post it on my Facebook page and let that define me. I'm not going to I'm not going to rip, you know, and be negative towards whatever and let that be part of my definition. I don't want that to define me. That's just one small thing. Now, I'm I'm not I'm 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 not rendering a judgment whether that stuff is sin or not, but I I will render this judgment. It's immature. And we're supposed to move in maturity. We're supposed to grow in maturity. I'll go and throw this out there too. The best way to air our frustrations with people is to pick up the phone and say, hey, can we talk? It's not an email. It's not a text. It's not Facebook. That's mature. That's what we, young people, we adults still get it wrong. We still get it wrong. And we still do immature things like that. If you got a problem with someone, don't post it on Facebook. Pick up the phone and go, hey, can, can we talk? Now, they might mock you for your maturity because that's what immature people do. It just is. Immature people mock the mature. But don't do it. Just, and then pr- pray for them and forgive them. But pick up the phone and be personal. Develop relationships. Does that sound all right? It's not the easy thing to do. I'm not going to lie to you. It's the harder thing to do. But it's the mature thing to do. Soapbox over. Boop. He's a gift to us. You guys, we surrendered the the freedom, the quote-unquote freedom to say thoughtless and rude things and to live a thoughtless and rude lifestyle when we grabbed a hold of the fruit, the true freedom of Jesus Christ. We let go of some things that the world might look as freedom, but we let go of those things when we embrace true freedom. So you're telling me I don't have that freedom? I'm telling you God's got something better. I'm telling you God's got something better. Why would you want to go back to that? Verse 20. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature. I love that. And your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Number four, the fourth thing we must do to walk in new identity for us. We must hear Jesus and learn the truth through Jesus. Remember I talked about at the very beginning that we got to believe we got to believe that he's got something new for us. He's got, we got to believe he's got something better for us. We've got to hear Jesus. And we've got to learn the truth through Jesus. You guys, Jesus says some amazing things about you and about me. Right there in his scripture. Tells us who we are. Who we are. You are this. You are this. You are this. In fact... 
at the end of the message, there's a video that shows some of it. We need to believe that. We need to hear him. When I, it, it was kind of, it was very silly now that I think about it, but when I was off at college, when I would call home, I would be like, hey mom, this is Mark. She laughed and was like, Mark, I know it's you. I know your voice. There's only a few people that call me mom, and I can differentiate their voices. When, when you know someone, you know their voice. Guys, we're to know Jesus. We're to be in relationship with him. It is not about religion or church or a set of rules or do's or don'ts. I promise you, even after my little Facebook rant, it's not about a rule, a set of rules of do's and don'ts. We have to believe that Jesus does have life and life to the fullest for us. We have to believe it. We have to believe it. Friends, you've learned Jesus. If you've been in this church at all, you've you've learned Jesus. We preach Jesus. We are consistent. Praise God, we're consistent. We preach Jesus. You've learned Jesus. And the bondages of the past, there's no life in it for you or I. And that's not where Jesus is to be found. We have been taught Jesus. We've been well instructed in the truth of Jesus. So guess what? We no longer have the excuse of ignorance. We don't. We don't have the excuse of ignorance. But I wasn't told. Yes, yes, we were. Yes, we were. We hear it every week about the goodness of Jesus Christ. Ignorance cannot be an excuse of ours. So everything connected with that old identity has to go. All of the defining traits of the old identity have to go. And that can be scary. That can absolutely be scary. Without my hurts, I don't know who I am. Without my hurts, without my past, I don't know who I am. I do. I know who you are. You're healed. You're whole. You're redeemed. The price has been paid for your hurts, and the healer has touched your life. I know who you are. You're new. You're healed. But everyone knows me as that old guy. And he was a good guy. I'm sure he was. But don't be mistaken in thinking they they don't see the new you. They know you're different. They know because Jesus is shining in your life. You might be holding on to some of the same things, but let's be clear, you're new. And people around you know it. You're new. There's something different about you. You're new. So for you to try and be the old guy is a fake because that's not you anymore. Guys, no, there's not a preacher that's going to be more consistent in saying, be you, be genuine, be authentic. Man, I am me. I don't try to be anyone else. I'm not Mark Driscoll. I'm not Oral Roberts. I'm not, insert name here. I'm Mark Harper. So I can be me because I know who I am in Christ Jesus. And I'm not worried about the past. I've let it go. Thank God. Because people would make fun of you 
if you went to the church where the guy wears a letterman jacket every week and he looks like a fool, it would. They'd make fun of you and be very hard for you. It's much easier this way. Without my past, I don't know who I am. I'll tell you who you are. You've been adopted by the king. So you're royalty. You bear his name now. As a matter of fact, in some amazing way, you now bear his likeness. You look like him. You sound like him. You act like him. Your future, your destiny, your heritage is all in him. And it's awesome. And so are you. That's not my opinion. That's what Jesus says about you. Number five. The fifth thing we must do to walk in new identity. To walk in God's new identity for us. We must put on our new nature and identity. We must put it on. Verse 24. Put on your new nature created to be like God. Truly righteous and holy. Put it on. Feel how nice and snug it fits. How warm. How comfortable. Put on the new identity. Let go of the old. Put on the new. You're a new creation now. The old. Let it go. Let it go. My wife has to tell me to throw things out. She looked at my closet and be like, babe, you haven't wore this and two, three years. Sometimes we've got to be told to let it go. But but yet, I, I liked it and it was comfortable and let it go. Guys, I, I know the old life was comfortable. Let it go. Because God's got something better. You won't be disappointed. You won't be shortchanged. You won't be left without. You won't be undressed. You won't be uncovered. Let it go. It's time to take an entirely new way of life to take it on. There's things that I enjoy doing that I enjoy doing then. God hasn't asked me to give it to him. There was a point when I went to a church camp before my senior year and and I was a successful high school football player. And at that church camp, I told the Lord, Lord, right now, take away all my athletic ability. If in exchange, you'll give me the ability to, to play piano and lead worship. I give you my athletic ability. Lord, trade me right now. Trade me. I'll give it all to you. Because I'd heard about Andre Crouch, that God just blessed him, and he had the ability to play just like that. And so I asked the Lord, trade, trade, Lord, trade me. I'll give you all of my athletic ability just so I can play the piano and worship you. It didn't work out that way. And God God left me with that. I still love football. It didn't consume me. I'm not going to be a fool watching a Broncos or a Raiders game. I'm, I, I promise you this, guys. Let's not be a fool watching that game and then sit in this place and be silent and not worship the King of Kings that really matters. We have a new identity waiting for us. But before, before we can grab a hold of the new, we've got to let go of the old.